Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. My name is Taylor. I am your executive producer and currently guest host of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. This week, we are continuing our shooter-editor series with a brand new person. Today, I have Charlie Hilbrandt with me, actually live in Austin. Hi. Welcome, Charlie. It is so good to be here. Yeah. Charlie lives in Chicago and has his own company, Charlie Hilbrandt Films, and we are so excited to have him here in Austin today to talk a little bit about his company, how he likes to shoot and edit. So, Charlie, since you are coming on the podcast for the first time, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into weddings, and how you started your own company? Yeah, well, I'm a pretty simple guy, so you might have to ask me all those questions again. Uh, but um, a little bit about me. We are uh, we have a wedding film studio in Chicago, and uh, we, let's see, um, started in 2013. So we've been doing this pretty much since the Ray Roman Creative Live time. I think that was probably 2013. And uh, jumped in, uh, was part-time at first, and through a couple of other careers I had simultaneously, recently said, you know, this is this is going gangbusters. I either have to commit fully or just get out because I think the market will reward people that are fully in and fully, you know, for example, just um, listen, you know, there are the people who are on the tip of the spear, like listening to podcasts, constantly bettering themselves. So I found that um, it was time to go full time in 2016 and I have not uh, regretted it since. I think it's a, a lot in part due to, uh, well, a lot in part, that doesn't make sense, uh, a lot due to the, the network of people that we have and, and you know, from especially going to WPPI and, and, and uh, last year was just such a growth opportunity. Um, so I'm just really grateful that I made that jump, uh, which was kind of scary at first, you know, because I left benefits, salary every two weeks, I'm supporting my family, you know, mouths to feed, so... Um, but anyway, in 2010, I'll go back to how I got started uh, in, in wedding films. Um, I, it's a little different than the recent <clears throat> stories we've heard of people getting um, kind of plucked from film school or, or what have you. I didn't have any kind of film interest whatsoever. Um, I went to SMU and graduated in 2008 and got done with that. But you might recall that 2008 was the like, recession time. So here I come, Mr. Bright-Eyed, Bushy-Tailed out of SMU. Look at me. I've got a degree in economics. Like, nobody's hiring. Finally, I got a job in consulting, and I realized, like, oh, I'm selling my soul every day. I'm so miserable. I'm, like, khakis and sport coat, every, like, taking the, the L in Chicago to this job I just despise. So I ended up realizing that that was not my long-term path. Um, and so my roommate said, well, since you're unemployed now, actually I was kind of um, uh, unemployed, not by my own choice, which was a blessing in disguise, uh, looking back on it. <clears throat> he said, since you've got some time, uh, why don't you make a bucket list of things that you want to do in life? And just while you've got a couple months to figure out your next move, go execute on that. So 
one of those items among a couple other ones uh, was I wanted to be a movie extra. Just a, had something fun to do. And in Chicago, there are often things being filmed. So I responded to a Craigslist ad, which could have been really shady, turned out to be legit, but I'll tell you how it happened. So I signed up to be a movie extra. I sent them a headshot, which I took from like my 2007 iPhone. <laughs> I sent them my dimension, like, you know, waist and hips and like uh, height. And, and again, this is Craigslist. So it could have been some sort of shady operation I was signing up for. I didn't know what it was. But the next day I was sitting at lunch with my girlfriend and who would turn out to be my wife down the road. And I get this phone call. And this guy's like, is this Charlie? And I was like, yeah. He's like, hi, my name's John. I'm calling from Atmosphere Casting. Wondering if you are interested in being uh, part of our movie that we're filming here. And I was like, first of all, which one of my dumb friends is pranking me right now? Think, you know, because I had told him <laughs> I wanted to be a movie extra. Which, which one of my buddies is like calling me and messing with me? So he said, no, no, no. My name's John from Atmosphere Casting. We are not looking for you to be an extra. We actually need a stand-in and body double for one of the actors who is going to be filming this movie for four months. Cool. Can you commit to that? I was like, yeah. I mean, I got nothing going on. So, oh, you'll pay me $110 for a 12-hour day? Cool. Like, sign me up. You know, to me, that was a ton of money. Um, So he said, well, I need you in an hour to be at Second City, and you're going to meet with uh, Ron Howard and Vince Vaughn, who you'll be the stand-in for. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I, I said, you know, I can't believe this is real, but yeah, I'll be there. So I ran home, <clears throat> got myself presentable, and I walked into a room at Second City, which is the uh, a big comedy, um, scripted comedy uh, spot in Chicago, pretty famous. And I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I walked in and standing there is Ron Howard. He couldn't have been more nice and he wanted to know about me and how well he, you know, how well I just acted normally and didn't fan out. Um, and then Vince walked in. We matched a somewhat. He's a big dude. So I had to wear, um, I had to wear lifts in my shoes to match. He's like, I think he's on record of being six, five. He's gotta be bigger. Wow. So, uh, I worked for four months on a movie called the dilemma, which was filmed in Chicago. Oh, yeah. And I mean, don't, uh, I had a great time with the cast and crew. We had an awesome shooting time, but not really the thing to go and rent. Just, whatever but i was thrown into it right from the start from knowing nothing about filmmaking to working with the dp and the camera crew to get all the shots ready uh, as the second team um acting as vince and then he'd come in and do his shots and so that um led to production roles and um but in that time i, I just realized what a what a grind that can be and um i didn't continuing that path i in fact i went and became a flight instructor i went to flight school in arlington texas for six months cool that's did, where i'm from it was that right yeah then you know good old kgky yep. that was my airfield yeah so I, I became a flight instructor and subsequently an airline pilot and um a couple months after that began a friend of my wife's asked she said hey i know charlie's involved in film can he video my wedding and you know i think who said it recently i think Somebody, was it, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of on which recent podcast Jordan said, if you think you can, like 10%, just say yes. Just like I got say this. yes and go from there because I feel like that has been a common thread 
in many discussions is people didn't like seek out like okay i'm going to get into wedding films it's just like like almost like a, a whole lot of people have the story that like someone just asked them you know a friend you know somebody that just knew they were involved with the film stuff just like oh hey could you just show up at my wedding and get something um which i think is a great way to start because it's not like they're they're not looking for a professional because they're you know probably last minute just like want a person there to turn a camera on you know so that's completely. a great way to start completely so the pressure is pretty low i owned at the time i owned a hacked panasonic gh2 cool um which you guys a lot of people listening to this probably remember it was the firmware was hacked by this russian guy that's you know no surprise there <laughs> <laughs> and uh named vitaly and so there were these message boards about how to extract the highest bit rate you could from this from this small i mean very small little mirrorless camera so i had a hacked gh2 and an old like helios you know 44m whatever that russian lens thing was and it had pretty good low light capabilities shot this wedding for 250 dollars, which i'm impressed they even paid that uh because that was very nice and to this day i don't think i ever watched it <laughs> don't it just was like brutal you know and uh but then word of mouth and i realized as my saturdays started to kind of fill up oh man this is fun i like this if you go and or just yourself and you can you can help bring people out of their little wedding day shell and, and just tell that story so um one thing led to another i kind of got involved in these networks of groups of friends that heard what i did and it raised my prices accordingly and um and here i am and i'm thrilled so um, but i but i think that the definitely the best part of this whole journey has been um realizing the network that we all have and i don't know if i I don't know if I saw that until I think WPPI when I met all these amazing people and I said, Oh, there's more to this. I was kind of, you know, Chicago is a market where there's not a whole lot of collaboration and love between videographers. And so to have that nationally with, with people on the Facebook group and, and through listening to this podcast, it's really become just the value is amplified so much for me. Yeah, absolutely. So within your company, is it, so you shoot your weddings. Do you have a second shooter who's kind of like, part of your team or helping you out historically it's been either myself and my wife shooting on the day or myself and larry marshall yeah. shooting on the day you guys might know larry he's uh he formerly indianapolis based but as of today has moved and relocated to los angeles yes so i'm still i'm still figuring out my larry replacement if there could be one <laughs> but i i do all of my own editing um, awesome yeah Cool. So then let's talk about the wedding day. So if maybe start out by talking a little bit about kind of what your kit looks like, how you approach a wedding day. What does a typical wedding day look like for you? Yeah, I'll talk about gear for a second uh, and then go into the, uh, the process of the day. We're a Canon group, so we shoot on the 1DX and the C100 Mark II. Um, probably adding another 1DX Mark II to that mix just for coverage and that 4K, uh, that 4K look for couples that want to upgrade to that. Um, just moved to that from a GH5 family recently. And uh, so for all the GH5 lovers, I love that camera. Um, and I'm sure I'll be back in the GH line shortly. I think so. I, 
I, <laughs> I jump uh, back and forth. But um, so anyway, that's what we shoot on. We have all, you know, the support gear and the audio hookups and whatnot, the lighting, um, which we can chat about in a little bit. But on the wedding day itself, or the wedding weekend, we do a lot of rehearsal dinners also. Um, everything I do is based on the foundation of knowing the couple fairly well. and educating them prior to their weekend probably a month prior before everything starts ramping up and they start feeling that pressure coming on because that's they're just not some they're not always in the place where they want to be chatting with a videographer one week out i think four weeks is a great sweet spot to say hey i'm going to educate you on a couple things you might not have thought about so everything we do in, in that wedding weekend is based on um, educating them prior and by the time we show up to either the rehearsal dinner or the wedding day they kind of, ex- they know what to expect and, and where we're going to go. So I show up to bridal preps and if the grooms are getting ready in the same hotel, I'll check in with both. And um, I'll get kind of micro here. I'll talk about some specifics and some some things that have worked well for me thus far. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I show up to bridal preps, I don't go into preps with any type of gear or um Oh, yeah. So, so I always leave And this, there are exceptions to this because security obviously is really important, making sure our gear doesn't get taken. And if you're in a downtown hotel, you don't know who's coming through the hallway, but I will show up a walk in with a cup of coffee. And that's a little tactic that I learned from. So not after I was uh, an airline pilot, I became a police officer. I was a police officer for four years. And a little tactic I learned uh, was if you ever want to calm down a suspect when you're about to interview them, walk in with coffee and even offer them one. But that's a, it's a little, we're not doing an interrogation with the bride. <laughs> we're... No, but it's the same principle of like they've got a million things going on probably when you show up. And so to kind of have that human connection right away it's very comfortable puts them at ease i think that's a great tactic the second that whether you're four hours early or they're going to put the dress on in 10 minutes the second they see the videographer they know their cameras are coming out the all the emotions are going to ramp up even higher than they already are they're like i mean the bride is like a jungle cat as far as as far as like her heightened awareness of everything. So the more calming you can be. And and actually, not only did I take that from a previous career, but Larry Marshall is great at doing that. He'll walk in and we're not even talking about shots yet. We're just going to see how are you doing today? How's it going? You look, you look beautiful. Um, read the room, read the scenario. Um, and often if you're, if you're perceptive to the room, you can get a feel for how then you should work to get some gear in quietly and and start getting some shots as opposed to rolling in with uh your tenba bag and the airport you know uh roller bag um because then you're going to miss those cues those social cues um and not only that but also all the bridesmaids and parents in the room are looking at you and if you start off that interaction by being a calming presence you're really setting the tone. So that's a little thing that I've kind of picked up and I try to do when I first get to bridal preps. Now, guys are obviously a little different. They're in there, you know, <laughs> Coors lights are opening up. The, you know, the smell of cologne is strong in the air. <laughs> you don't really care as much. Um, so that's when I first arrive, uh, kind of my game plan. And preps for me are primarily on a monopod camera and a fi- either a 50 or a 100 macro. Um, and I, f- I found that you can really do a lot if you need a little motion with that monopod. You can get that motion. 
it just to me sliders are a little bit cumbersome mm-hmm. when i'm there are there are obviously times if i can find like a separate room where people aren't getting ready i'll absolutely bring a slider in and get some shots maybe of the invitations or um, rarely the dress i find that i get most of my dress stuff as it's going on her but um yeah that's that's uh preps for you uh, also might be valuable to talk a little bit about letter reading yes um, i've noticed that in some of your recent films that i've watched that you have some really nice moments happening during that letter reading time. Now, is that something that you ask the couple if they're going to do? Is it something you actually encourage them to do? Does it just kind of depend on the couple? Yeah, I have a questionnaire that I send out. Uh, it's, it actually even happens before they book. Ooh, and nice. part of that questionnaire, and we can include a screenshot of that in the show notes if you want to, but it just says, will you be... Um, Will you be exchanging letters or gifts with one another uh, during preps? And that just helps me know what the morning's going to look like. And if they say yes, that's my cue to say, hey, you may have seen this done in prior work of mine. It's some great content if we can hear you reading those to one another. The reactions that I get are mixed because they don't know what they're going to read out loud. Sometimes they're very intimate in nature. Uh, and and other, and then other couples are like, yeah, let's do it. Cool. And then recently uh, I had a bride say, I think it's cheesy. Let's nix it. Fine. Absolutely. But I always say you can, you, we can do it. We can capture it and not include it if down the road, if you feel like it's not going to be useful in your wedding film, but we can't go back and get shots of you in your wedding dress reading this letter. Yeah. So that uh, I'll find a quiet room. It doesn't always have to be in the hotel room, but lighting is very important. Um, so I intentionally will light the spot she'll sit in and the groom will sit in or the groom and groom or bride and bride will sit in. Um, and the, we get the, uh, part of the, we'll get into the audio gear here a little bit. Just task M DR 10 L. Yeah. It's golden. Yeah. I, uh, my settings for that are, um, high gain with a safety track and a limiter. So if we have sniffles, those, we won't have distortion on the sniffles. Um, and we'll have them read the letter usually twice uh, for coverage if if it's just a weep fest and it's unusable and the moment's kind of gone we'll have some good visuals for that but but we'll know then so I, I always encourage them to at least do it um, so that's letter reading and then usually it's like yeah as you guys know boom 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 we're in the dress the photographer's flashing you know flashing away um, and uh, for anybody that's curious the way that I handle the dress is, I tell the bride, I ask the bride to get 75% of the way there mm-hmm. yeah. to where she's comfortable with me in the room and then call me in. Uh, and so that always, I think in the back of most brides' minds, like, oh, I don't want a camera in the room. I'm waiting to see how he's going to approach this. I always just say, hey, here's how we're going to do the dress, just to allay any thing she might be concerned about. Because I don't know. I don't want to be half naked on camera. So yeah. I, <laughs> um. Anyway, re uh, redirect me here. Where were we going? Okay, with- so we're done with prep. Um, and then maybe if you sometimes you do photos before, sometimes you don't. So then getting into ceremony, we can talk about ceremony and then kind of how you approach a couple session and how you work in tandem with the photographer on that as well. Yeah. We, so uh, occasionally we'll have a couple session prior to the ceremony, sometimes following a first look, and we'll have some good time to get into posed uh posed moments and whatnot 
Uh, I would say 80% of our couples are doing first looks these days. Awesome. Um, which is interesting because last week Kristen mentioned that they're kind of just starting to do first looks. And I think it's more of an exception if they don't do it for us. Um, but we'll, uh, so let's say they do have a first look and then we have some couples session time. Um, I always send, here's a little trick that I've learned. I always send the photographer an email and it's, usually the same email and I send it two two weeks prior. I get to one of those other what's another one of those things where the night before the wedding is not the time to send an important email. And this is an important email. Yes. Um but hey photographer, I have the it this is I think verbatim what it says. I have the privilege of working with your team at X, Y, and Z's wedding. I can't wait to for the for a great day together. Please let me know if there's anything I can do to make your day easier. Warmly, Charlie. Love it. Short, sweet, and to the point. They know who you are and they know to expect a videographer because I feel like half the time, I mean, there are definitely weddings I've shown up and you can tell like they didn't realize there was going to be video there. And a lot of, most photographers can work well with them. We're becoming more common now. So it's not usually an issue, but every once in a while you get that photographer who's kind of on edge, like, crap, I got to work the video and I got my own process and I want to stay in it. And so, yeah, that is awesome. You, the, the, so, again, going back to the point of taking care of those anxiety moments for other people that you know you can handle, this is one of them. You're not saying you know, anything about how you shoot your style. You're just saying, I'm here. Let me know if I can help make your day easier. Then, then they have a glimmer of hope that you'll not be that previous nightmare videographer that they (laughs) are worried that you're going to be. Yes. And you know, there, I don't think there is any photographer who has not had just a nightmare, you know, uncle Rick on the tripod roller, the big home Depot lights, busting everything i mean so we want to raise that tide and not be not be that and that's that's my that's my way of um doing that so by the time we're there the photographer already know at least knows my name mm-hmm. and knows i'm going to be there uh from that point let's just talk about how a couple session works a lot of the time i can piggyback on what the photographer is doing with the couple i can get tight shots alternate between you know if, if they're going to have the couple do a walk Usually I'll just ask prior to the session, hey, uh, photographer, prior to moving the couple to a new moment, will you just, you know, hand them to me for 30 seconds? Because as videographers, we don't need really more than that. more than you know a quick walk here to here. Yeah. Hey, you know, clasp hands. Uh, I think and that for me has been a turning point going back to what Kristen said last week about just having a little more. I don't, I don't know. For, I think aggression is probably the wrong, like, cause I'm not, it's not an aggressive, it's like just a, I'm going to be um, proactive. Confident, uh, and proactive. Confident, yeah. confident and proactive. So I've uh, employed that uh, toward those couple sessions. Um, however, one thing to note is that's usually not time of the day where the light is going to be most flattering. Pre, you know, post first look, pre-ceremony, we're talking probably, I mean, depending on the day, between 2 and 4 p.m.-ish. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are doing raccoon eyes. All those things that photographers can counteract, we're sort of stuck in that DSLR crunched just, you know. So uh, I shoot all of that knowing I'm still going to want to bring the couple out and 
probably duplicate these shots at, around sunset if I can. Um, but yeah, let's move into the ceremony. So um, real quick, I have a question. Being in Chicago, what do you find as kind of your typical types of venues that you shoot at? Because, you know, out here we shoot a lot of barns, hill country. There's a lot of outdoor ceremonies. And I've noticed from watching other people's films that are kind of filming up north in big cities, there's a lot more hotels and, you know, indoor type venues. So talk kind of about what does your typical ceremony look like? Do you do a lot of church weddings maybe? Yeah. I mean, we're at churches, I would say. 70% of the time. Wow. Yeah. And and not only that, but we're at churches where we get a PDF describing exactly where you can with honestly with maps sometimes. Yes. Like, thou <laughs> shalt not walk past this mark ever. You know, <laughs> ever. You know, and and, and and if anybody has seen a, a church lady angry, you won't walk, you won't break those rules. Um I mean, I I I have had m- I employ a lot of diplomacy in those moments, but truthfully, those church weddings can be a whole different bear. Yeah, it's a big challenge. So kind of tell us about your typical setup and how you really, you want to talk about easing anxiety. That, I would bet schmoozing up the church lady who's coordinating that ceremony is a huge part of the day. Oh yeah, so I I also do an email, but the number of 75-year-old choir singing church ladies who check their email regularly is pretty low. So I have a pretty small response rate, which is understandable. Uh, after, after, you know, sending an email, I will find the church person ahead of time and again, remind them, Hey, I'm not that other videographer that had a big shouting match with you and made all these demands. I'm here to work within your, with the way the wording I use is, primarily I'm here to respect your cultural considerations and then to get great shots of the couple that we've been hired to do. Um, I think once they hear that, they're like, okay, great. And then you've just warmed them up a little bit. It's just like, I mean, it's just like any other service industry thing. I'm, and Joe says, Joe Schweitzer says this, I'm not above, you know, I'm not above that. I'm not going to come in with some ego and be some diva about, oh, poo poo. I can't go here, walk there, or light this. Um, I've found that even those rules are for the majority of people. And if you're the exception that they're like, oh, this guy's nice. He respects us first and foremost. You can almost get away with a little bit more. If if you're on a monopod, you can maybe step a little bit closer. You can kind of hide, maybe find a nook of a shot behind the altar. But if you show up and you're a diva about things, she's going to come pull you out of the church by your ear. No bueno. So that's how I interact with the church people uh, before we even start setting up. Um, and but there, that said, there are there have been times where and Larry's witnessed this where I have gotten a little bit frustrated, you know, because whatever the, the days get long. And by the time you're there at the church, you're behind schedule sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like to prior to the ceremony, take a deep breath, have some water, maybe fire up a quick coffee and we'll go back into the, go back in getting ready to perform. Um, so my typical setup in a, in a ceremony is no added lights, which is, a challenge. Um, so going in, looking at what the light is doing, and then I'll always have a long shot down the center of the aisle and a shot from the side. Not, it's rare that I'll have dueling, like two, um, like a 
what's that like a, i won't have like a both faces uh, bride and groom like one on each during side during vows i will not do one on each side i'll rely on the center camera to pick up uh the groom's part of the toe uh part of the vows the the bride however has a nice medium shot uh, during her vows always um well, I might have gotten ahead of myself a little bit. Processional is obviously important, mm-hmm. um, but that will vary based on the layout of the church. Um, so I recently have kind of wanted to get off of the gimbal. I've got a Ronin and a crane. Just I love the ability to be in the front of the church and have that long walk. Yes. It just gives you so many looks and eye lines and things that if you're on a gimbal, you're going to miss those. Yes, they're stunning shots, but I'm tending more now to appreciate, and this goes back to being a shooter and an editor. When I'm editing and I have, you know, 20 seconds of that flower girl walking, I just so much prefer that to four seconds of her walking in the church doors and then having to move aside with the gimbal. Um, And I... I don't, uh, it's either one or the other. You could say I could have another shooter up at the front. If I'm with Larry, I will let let him carry that processional all the way down the aisle. But uh, my wife is, despite being beautiful and outgoing and all those other things, just, I don't think ready for the pressure of up at the front getting those critical moments uh, and managing the tripod and not falling over. So, that's kind of where I am with the, the processional. Cool. So are you delivering full ceremony videos with some of your packages, all of your packages? Is that something that you offer? I think it's a nice closer to a deal if you feel like a deal is wavering or you're going to lose the client, but it's an add-on. Um, our standard package is a five to eight minute wedding film. And from there, you can add the a la carte, so full ceremony and toasts. Um Kind of stop doing full first dances because uh, I find the value of being able to get creative in the room so much greater than just having a wide shot on the dance floor. There are couples who want it and they can pay for that, and we'll slap a, you know, we'll slap a GH four. Uh, what do I? Have? I don't have a five anymore. I'll slap a GH two with a wide camera or wide lens and uh, and and just let that roll. Um, but the full the full ceremony or the full toast just requires another part of your brain to be thinking about a piece Definitely, of gear. Yeah. They can be tripped over by a serve, you know, somebody serving dinner or a lot of the venues we work in. Service is going on during those toasts, and there are, there have been times where it's you just don't even have room to throw a tripod. So um, I f- almost prefer not doing the full the full deal. Cool. Um, so for the most part, you are shooting super creatively for the highlight. And you have a little more freedom to kind of like get those cool shots because you know you're just going to be cutting together highlights correct i'm in my happy place when i'm doing the joe Schweitzer. i'm in all parts of the (laughs) (laughs) i'm in i'm everywhere and i'm everywhere at once i got the i'll pull out the slider and i'll get that or i'll go back and grab the crane and do a something down the aisle but the second i have to have a locked off something somewhere i just my brain is not able to fully be in uh the zone so i i've i've also really loved one of my uh, something i picked up recently was just going and finding parents reacting to to moments. And you have that quarter of a second of a, a dad tearing up and man, that can make, or that can really amplify the emotion of your film. So um, being able to pay attention to little moments like that has been really valuable 
over the past. I mean, it's kind of a this season thing for me, to be honest. I think I have watched, I worked with Larry countless times and I've watched how he, 50% of the time Larry's not even shooting the, the, he's shooting people. And if you watch his work, we're almost telling the viewers how they should feel, mm-hmm. you know, uh, by getting those reaction shots. So that's my ceremony. It's pretty basic. I don't do a lot of the recessional at all. Once they kiss, yeah. usually my work, I'm moving on to, we're going to start seeing either beauty shots or the reception uh, details and whatnot. And then uh, grand exits can be great too, though. So once they kiss, I'm we're moving over to get uh, gear ready for that exit or just then we're we're getting out of there. We're going to, uh, we're going to go to the reception and get things set up. That said, I've recently learned that Matt Harris with Film Poets will shoot some of the portraits at the church yeah uh post ceremony and i think it's it's if you're gonna have a longer deliverable maybe it's nice to have maybe that might be your only time to have grandma you know smiling and being cute with a couple so um i'm paying attention to that a little bit more these days but for the most part we're just getting out of there is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films do you feel disorganized What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again? And have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford $40,000 or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you. Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized from my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, WeddingFilmAcademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. Yeah. Family photo sessions, I feel like, are that kind of area where you're like, should I get it just to have the footage? Should I move on to something that's going to be more important? But I just feel like it's to some people it's important and to some people they're like, whatever. I feel like, you know, we always shoot, you know, I always have my second or someone's always shooting it just to have it because there have been those few times where someone will come in and be like, hey, can you add a shot of me and Uncle Joe and Aunt Sally? And we want to have that in our video. And you're like, okay, I Accountability. have it, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky thing, especially when you're in a church. And a lot of times those family photos just get banged out right there on the altar and that can be tricky to make that look pretty when you're doing a video and you're also trying to think about your next steps um so yeah 
think about when when somebody has when somebody's gonna take a photograph of you you go three two one smile i look awesome and then oh everything relaxes three two one smile and then oh everything relaxes that on video does not fly i mean it doesn't it doesn't work because you see that person go from you know a beautiful smile to like yeah what's next if you're lucky they'll laugh between or they'll be like chatting and they look happy and those are the moments we try to like to catch is is if they're talking in between and they look natural and happy that's good stuff to get were you just i think you were just talking about last week about those in-between moments yeah yeah and it varies so much because like you said some people will literally just let down in between and if they're not being told to pose they're just kind of awkwardly standing there sometimes they're not even talking to each other and you're like well i don't need that but if it's just one of those weird things where you have to always be watching a little bit because they might do something awesome Sometimes you might even decide just to roll anyway because it's like, well, if I catch a couple laughs or a cute kiss or something like that, that's going to be great little natural moments to add to the film. Of course. I think – and then along with that, it is challenging because you know, okay, the clock is ticking until that reception starts and the couple is going to be introduced. And if I don't have my hookups uh, audio-wise and lighting's not set, then I'm going to be behind too. So it's just a balance of finding out when am I going to get out of here and be most efficient with my time. Cool. So moving on to the reception, are you mostly doing like indoor type venues? What kind of, I guess, venues are most popular? Is it hotels? Are there like museums, big halls? All the above. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, some of my favorite venues in Chicago are the Adler Planetarium, which is right on the lakefront. Nice. The city, the whole city skyline is behind you, and that's an outdoor venue in the summertime. Perfect. So, yeah, you've got so you're battling the light a little bit. If you're if you're getting close to fall, it's going to get dark around five or six. But just the the background, the view is amazing. Um, so the Field Museum, the Shed, the Aquarium is just iconic. These big iconic museums um, with huge halls and I mean, libraries. So it, it, it definitely, it, uh, it runs the gamut, but then also you'll have smaller hotel reception halls where there's no windows to outside and you're just a, you're a victim to whatever, like, you know, orange lighting is in there. And just, uh, so you have to be ready for any type of situation um, I love scouting venues ahead of time. I love going around the time that we're going to be showing up and just creeping around. Awesome. Finding, finding those little spots where, oh man, I'm going to throw my, I'm going to throw a light here for the toast and I'm going to go over there and have a light there just to have an idea of what, because the more I know right when I walk in the door, how it's going to go, I'm going to be more efficient Instead of standing around, you know, twiddling my thumbs, being like, well, I could do this or I could do that. No, I've already thought it out. And for the most part, we're going to go with that game plan. Um, the, the only time that that doesn't work is when you get there and the planner is like, oh, well, no, no, no. We're just going to have them do the toast from the table or whatever, you know. So um, I, I, I love educating my couples and just saying, hey, we are going to run the toasts. We are going to tell the person where to stand we're going to light that spot mm-hmm. and that's really important so uh i think you asked reception how does that kind of go yeah how does it kind of flow from the time the couple arrives and enters and like the different stuff you capture throughout the night our our films are very um toast and 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 ambient audio narrated so 
Um, to me, the toasts are probably the most important part of the day. And the first thing I do when I get there is I'll set up the audio uh, connections. I use a splitter. So we're getting Perfect. a clean line level signal um, straight from the receiver of the microphone. And we're not having it processed by any type of soundboard or PA, some speaker. Um, we're just trying to control those variables that we can control uh, because it, we're event filmmakers. Things are going to happen despite all of what you can control. You're still going to have challenges to overcome. So if you can have great audio, let's try to do it. Um, so that's my number one thing. We do a couple backups, but anyway, we have the audio rolling. Um, when a couple comes in, we've lit the dance floor that they're going to land on. So sometimes they'll come in through a side door and they're going to walk through a sea of people. We're not worried about that door and that sea of people. We want to see yeah. when they finally hit that dance floor and they start twirling and stuff, that's where we're ready to shoot them. Not only do you have that great, that well-lit spot, you can also pick up you might not be shooting the couple right when they walk in the door, but you're getting that ambient cheersing and everybody yelling and whatnot. So you don't have to go and find crowd walla sound effects. You're going to have it from the real day. Um, and I love bringing that, that just that energy into the film later on. So I just, even if I'm not shooting anything, I think uh, who said it, Rob Adams has said, I'll just roll occasionally. If I hear something I might want later on, the screen's going to be black, but I'm just rolling. Yeah. Um, and so I'll do that for the introductions. Um, and once they're introduced, usually it's just like cake cutting, first dance, and there's, without missing a beat, dad starts talking. The you know toast happens right away. So this is when looking at the timeline of the day is really important. So I know, okay, well, I don't want to shoot dad I'm going to need some time to go from my crane or Ronin, mm -hmm. swap out, get that on some sticks, a tripod. I need 30 seconds. And often, if I know they're going to go straight from you know intros to cake cut to first dance to dad, I'll just ask the DJ, can you bump the song? Can you keep the music going for 30 seconds? That's all I need to get my camera off of the crane and uh, the, the handheld uh, is the crane, what, Jayun? The Jayun crane? Yeah, that's what we have. I think it's great. So I need, I can just pop off the crane and get on a, a tripod and I'm ready to go. Um, we just want to be ready for him to start talking. So, um, and th from that point, you've got your toasts and I'll talk a little bit about how I creatively do that. One person is usually getting reaction shots and the other is hunting for creative shots of the toast giver. So I'm a big fan of, the way that my 1DX, just for me, I love that sensor and what it does with like a candle votive or just shooting through people and between glassware. I like to fill, I like to busy the frame with something while we're seeing a toast giver because we have these rooms with chandeliers up above and in the distance. And so that bokeh, I just love making that pop. Oh, yeah. If you have some kind of lights that you can just get that bokeh effect in the background while someone's toasting, and that a lot of times just, you know, you don't necessarily plan for it. You get to the venue, you're just like, oh, I've got to put them in this spot because the background is going to look awesome. So, Don't you think that's almost the most important part of a toast shot? Yeah. That background? Composition. And it can be tricky for toasts because 
you know, you don't know exactly what the venue is going to look like. And even if you know the venue, the tables are set up differently for every wedding. And sometimes you're like, oh, they have the head table over there this time. And well, they've got these big windows right there. That's not going to work. Or so to, I feel like that's, yeah, one of the first things you have to think about as soon as you get to that reception area, like, okay, where are my toasts going to be? If I know how I'm going to run toasts, the rest of the night's going to come. I'm going to get those dances. That's, yeah, no worries. Like, but I got to know what's, what are the toasts are going to be? Because if you don't plan that, I mean, you don't want to run and gun toast, especially for people like us and you, where the audio is just driving the story of the film. That's huge. You want to be able to cut back to that person speaking yeah. and have it be an, a great shot, well composed, interesting frame. Uh, we one thing that I've learned, and you might agree with this, is often a toast giver will stand in front of a band who is tuning their guitars, yep. they're picking their nose. <laughs> All of those things are going to take away from the subject. So finding a finding, I, I'm a big believer in. The idea that there's one spot in the room that is the best shot possible, and once you find that, like you're you're good to go. Shoot from that spot. I will switch up from mother, uh, from maid of honor or matron of honor to the best man to parents of the bride. I'll find different spots, but for the most part, for a given focal length, I believe there's one spot in the room that you need to shoot them from, and I'm not afraid to. I think. Kristen said it really well last week. I, you have to come out of that timid shell of, oh, I, I don't want to stand in this person's way. I don't. There's a way to to do that nicely, and to maybe acknowledge to a, to a guest. I know I'm in, I'm just gonna be here for about five minutes. It's a great you know they'll they understand. But you've been you've been hired. They've paid a significant investment as your clients, so they're almost trusting that you're gonna find that best spot in the room. So that's. That's what I do uh, for toasts, and um, when I mean it's when I have a capable second shooter, they're able to find the people in the room who are most important to the bride and groom as they're reacting to things in real time. That's when I'm happiest. Now, if I'm either running with myself only on the wedding day, which is happens occasionally, or just with a PA, I'll just have them man a camera, make sure it doesn't turn off, and don't touch it. Yeah. Like I will come over there and check on the shot, make sure it looks good. But yeah, it's nice to have even just an extra person to man a tripod, carry gear, you know, kind of serve as that assistant to you. That investment will pay itself back. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. And you'll be less sore on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's that's uh, my that's the toast part of the reception. Um, I think you guys last week did an awesome job of talking about the the rest of the evening. Um, and not being complacent with just shooting the same mid shot, you know, from the from the band stage and seeing the same thing. I think one thing I would add to that is it's important to pay attention to where your sensor, your camera's sensor is relative to where the action is. So you can make the viewer of the wedding film feel like either they are a, you know, uh, outsider to the dance floor looking in from like the being a wallflower and like watching all the fun which is what like a 70 to 200 from far away will give you or you can put the sensor of the camera like three feet from the bride and groom's face as they're in there and getting crazy and the viewer's gonna feel accordingly so 
that's been a huge change for me. I, I love seeing those shots where you're just up in it. You, I even will dance straight up. Like Absolutely. I, I'm 6'4". I'm awkwardly tall and lanky. Like, <laughs> you know, but the, you got to go, instead of being a just a, you know, a statue in the middle of the dance floor, uh, repelling everybody, you know, you feel the groove, get in there. And, and ultimately your shots will reflect the, that. And when you're editing, you'll have these dynamic looks and just, smiles and things that you can work with as opposed to i have the same you know shot long shot from people throwing their hands up um time you know shot after shot after shot so that really is your time to have like two maybe two hours to just go get super creative one thing that i've picked up is um or have realized anytime i'm wondering how i should shoot something physically step back step away from it I mean, like walk outside of the building because often you can find if it's dark outside, the the DJ's lights, or the band lights will be, you know, visible from outside the building and you can shoot that. And that's a three, three to five second shot that you'll be able to use. And it's something that maybe was unexpected, but you just find those nuggets of things that your competition is not going to pay attention to. And if you do that 10 times, that work will will uh will be way more compelling yeah absolutely the reception is the time when you get to just have fun you've gotten all the important moments that are going to sell your story and now you get to find as many creative angles as you want you can experiment and if it doesn't come out it doesn't come out but you're going to get plenty of that dance party footage no matter what so you might as well have fun trying to capture it as many different ways as you can and it's not it's not easy. Everybody listening to this knows, and and you Taylor know, you're sore, you're tired. You've been there for ten hours, like you know, a long day. It's probably sweaty. I'm I run so hot. Like usually, I'm I've sweat through my shirt by this point. <laughs> like it's not you, the number one thing you'd like to do is go home and have a beer. But like this can make or this can make your film so much more dynamic and the energy keep the energy high so it's your time to shine um and i'm working on it too like i'm so saturday uh i know the venue and i'm a little bit concerned about getting the best reception footage i can and so it's kind of on my mind right now it's just something you have to think about awesome you've given us so much about your process on the wedding day which has been awesome so let's translate that now into your editing process so we know that you are very story driven. You're going to create that highlight. That's your priority. Audio is huge for you. So tell us about how you approach an edit. So now you've gotten home and you have all these memory cards. Hopefully you have all of the memory cards from the day. We've all been there where you're like, okay, I started with six. Why do I have five? Let me freak <laughs> out. Freak out for a little bit. And then finally you find one like nestled in between your car seat. Oh man. Hopefully you have all the memory cards that you shot on the day. So I get to my office and which is not as nice as the Ladybird HQ here, by the way, <laughs> this is outstanding. Uh, so I get to my office and I lay the cards. I'm going to get real micro with this because I think it's helpful. I'm not sure who, you know, which particular for it. skill level we're speaking to. So I will lay all of my CF cards out on the table and I will import them one by one into the computer. And as they import, I will look in the folder that the card is being... Uh, so like if you pull up, let's say it's like card A. So I will look in card A's folder on my finder. I work on a Mac. And I'll see, okay, there's 
you know, 200 clips in here, for example, then I will go and make sure that 200 clips have copied over. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sometimes things will happen where it'll decide it wants to, the computer wants to uh, take a, take a break and it's Friday. It doesn't want to work. You don't want to assume they've all been copied and then format that card. And now you're now, you, and then find it months later when you're going back to do that edit because you can't come, you can't recover from a formatted card that you've shot over. So I always, I'm meticulous about that, but I will make sure that all the files have been uh, um, transferred that way. And um, once they're all transferred, I physically move those cards to a different part of the table without formatting them. So I have all the cards on one side of the table and I have all the files now in my computer, in my folder. And once they're all in, I will now go into my finder window and I will put every file into a folder on that wedding. So like, let's say it's like wedding a, I will put, I will make new folders called one DX C100 zoom H6 DR10. So I'm making folders that are, that are named after all the devices that recorded on that day. That way, when I bring them in the final cut, the final cut system will say, okay, in your new library, I'm going to have these already keyworded out. So instead of having to go in and make my own keywords, no, I, when I make that library, it automatically says, oh, these are your 1DX files. Cool. These are your C100 files. That's a time saver for me. And it's um, it's just a help. It's a more efficient process. Once those are all in Final Cut, um, there's a whole import process. Whether you optimize media or don't, or make proxies, I work on a one of the newer iMacs, so I don't um, I don't have to proxy it, but I will optimize it. I'm not sure if it's the best way. To, I'm that's one thing I'm like not not too smart about is what the difference between proxy and optimizing and how much space one takes up relative to the other. Anyway, once those are all in Final Cut. Um, usually it's been about a, like, at least it's been overnight because it takes a long time to bring in all those files. Uh, and like the, the only downside I think to the 1DX is the files are just insanely big. Like I think I, for a normal, I don't know, Kristen was saying last week, she shot an Indian wedding at Disney and she, they came away with like, like a three day Indian wedding. They came away with a terabyte and a half. And I was yeah. like, well, I shot for five hours yesterday and got a terabyte and a half. So oh, like, Wow. that's just the only downside. So anyway, it takes a while to get those in the computer, but once they're there, my process is, um, so I am, I was last season, the victim of a failed hard drive after having not, not backed it up, which was my fault. You only do that once. (laughs) Knock on, knock on this beautiful wooden table here in front of me. That doesn't happen again. So uh, that was just a situation where I had, uploaded all this footage and it was on a Seagate hard drive and I thought I was good to go and start the edit. And I pulled up the hard drive and I don't know if I had maybe dropped it. I have a two and a half year old, like who knows what had happened to that hard drive in the time since I uploaded it uh, between uploading it and looking at the drive, but it had failed. So now I have a wedding with, I had eventually had to have it like forensically diagnosed and for a lot of money like a lot of money 
less than they, the couple paid me, but still a lot of money. I got it fixed and recovered. Anyway, what I learned from that was you are never above having a hardware, hardware failure. Like if you don't, if you don't take the time or make the investment to back up your files, the law of averages says that that's going to happen to you. Yep. Like, so make it a habit, back up, even triple backup. That's what we do. Three hard drives. That wedding will exist in three places, and one of those drives will be off-site. So smart, because fires happen. <laughs> Break-ins happen. Like, those Break- drives live in specific places, so no matter what, we're going to be covered. I mean, I th- as I was going through that, and I, I eventually communicated with a couple, and like they were great about it, but having to write that email is i i can't think of a videographer's night a nightmare that's worse than that email going out because you know that their day is going to come to a screeching halt when they open it and so anyway sorry to like hammer that home but back up back up back up so i'll back up my files (laughs) i wrote that in bold on my little my little notepad here uh the things i wanted to chat about um once we uh once we have brought in everything to Final Cut Pro, now we want to start creating those multicam sequences. Mm-hmm. And for me, a multicam sequence isn't necessarily something that has been shot with multiple cameras. It also is just maybe first look with dad where you were ro- rolling on an audio device and one camera. So now when you go back and watch that over, you're able to see the visuals of it, but also hear the recording of dad's lavalier and it's just an easier process. So everything that could be a multicam is then turned into multicams. So that's ceremony, toasts, um, both you know, first looks. Um, what am I missing? Um, yeah, that's about it. Just any time where basically once, if you have that those visuals and that audio synced up, I mean, that's like half the work there because then you just go in and grab the chunks of the story you want to throw it in your timeline. That's a great transition because that's where we're going next. Uh, people used to uh, advocate for Pluralize. That's a program that used to mm-hmm. do the syncing yeah. up. Um, Final Cut now is a is a really robust syncing system. So I've never used Pluralize. Plural, there you go. Pluralize. Plural it's a little tongue twister. <laughs> I've never used Pluralize. See, I'm already getting a little bit of a Texas thing. So I've, been here, I've been here for <laughs> yes. two hours. Pluralize. Uh, so yeah, once once those multicams are ready to go, now is your time to figure out what story you have. Because, so, I will go in and go to my ceremony multicam, and the first thing I do is pull out the vows and the ring exchange, and I was seventy percent of the time we're having traditional vows, so it's I so and so take you so and so, not gonna carry the day story wise for me, but I still want to have that favorited, so I'll highlight that part in the multicam sequence. And I'll just hit F and now that's the green bar shows up and I'm happy. I'll move on. Then I'll go to the toast. So I'll watch the father of the bride toast and I will favorite everything that he says that could possibly be usable. Uh, Not making any judgment call yet on what I think is going to be the story of the day. I'm just getting anything usable favorited. I think in Premiere it's select. It's a select, but for us on Final Cut, uh, the way of the future. <coughs> <laughs> no bias here. 
It is just a, a favorite. Now, once you've done that with all the multicams, you can go into the little window and say, okay, Final Cut, show me all of my favorites um, that I have that exist. And those will just be all of those multicam sequences and their f- associated favorites. So instead of seeing the whole dad toast straight through, you're just seeing those little bits as separate clips. So for example, one favorite will be Andrew, we knew Amanda, uh, we knew you were the man for Amanda the second you walked in our door that first night you came over. There you go. That's one little clip now. So I hit command A, select all of them, and I put all of them on my timeline, which gives me a timeline of every usable bit of uh, audio. And from there, I start now I'll delete things that I don't think are going to be really carrying the the story. Um, and, and we just start building that narrative in a creative way. My, most of my films start with a, a, a story hook that, that's going to grab you a little bit. Um, and I think it would be difficult to find a wedding that didn't have one thing that could get a viewer curious about this couple. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to launch right into like a big cry session. She's reading her letter from the groom and she's weeping. Like the viewer's not there yet. Make them curious. Give them like a, hmm, I want to watch a little bit more. And then we're going to go in. Uh, we're going to learn more about the bride and groom. We're going to learn more about the, like, why is this important? Then we can get the tears going. And then we're going to end with a big bang and bash of a party. And then we're going to finish it up with a, whammo quote from somebody that just ties it all together. That's how I do. That's how I make wedding films is that we just get them curious, get the viewer curious, go in. And it's the same, whether I'm making a 12 minute film or a one minute film, just it's, I think the attention span these days is so short that like you have, I, I, some people say four seconds. Yeah. I don't even know if it's that much. Like how fast do you like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not on Snapchat, but I've watched my. I have younger siblings, and I'll watch. They'll pull up like an Instagram story, and I mean, literally within a second, one second, they're swiping or they're staying on it. You you have that little time to grip somebody and bring them in. <clears throat> so that's why I emphasize have something in the beginning that just is gonna be interesting. Um, so, uh. My deliverables vary at our shop. They're either an Instagram video. So you're limited to 60 seconds. I know the IGTV thing is out, but we're not playing that platform yet just because of some of the compression issues, which Jordan has mentioned. It's very new and I'm still trying to kind of figure out how to navigate it as I'm run our social media and I'm not quite ready to jump on it yet as far as, you know, because we built up the Instagram and I like posting just our like 60 second or less clips of the you know regular format so that's awesome that you have that built in as a deliverable that you're making that separate little edit for instagram if anybody listening to this is looking for ways to market stop right now your phone call to wedding wire or to the not representative in your area shoot a wedding that night upload your stuff and spend all day sunday getting a one minute video out because you're the iron is so hot right post wedding with if you could hit a couple while they're at their couple's send away brunch with a killer one minute video from their day 
not I mean they're gonna share it. Their friends and family are all gonna see it. That bridesmaid who has a wedding coming up in a like a couple weeks is gonna be like, oh my gosh, I just saw this. Are you available? I didn't even know about you. That's your. I mean, to me, I don't know how many tens of thousands of dollars I've made off of just yes, it's yes, you want to chill out on a Sunday, but like that's your time to just get, you know the 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 return on that in time investment is just magnificent. So anyway, I love the Instagram format. We seem to do pretty well in that space. Anyway, yeah, our deliverables range from 60 seconds to 12 minutes. I prefer somewhere in the middle. I feel like just six minute, I can kill it in like six minutes. Yeah. Uh, And then anything longer than that, I'm sort of just like, I don't know, maybe I need to like shoot more, shoot more content like the week prior to the wedding. I just don't find myself I don't find myself coming up with like 14, 15 minute films. Like Ray Roman talks about having a 15 minute deliverable. I just, I don't have that content. Yeah. Our highlights are that five to seven minute sweet spot. And we actually changed our language. No, we no longer say five to seven minute highlight. We say two song versus one song. If we have like a, we have, do have a music video as well, but we just say two songs because it might be five minutes. It might get a little closer to eight. If we have two four minute songs and we had a lot of footage from that day it really just depends on the day because some weddings are shorter. A couple gave us less. We had less footage. It's like, okay, we can pretty much tell their story in five minutes. And then others, it's like, oh, we just have so much. We got to get this closer to like seven, eight minutes. So it's nice to have that. You know the Schweitzer team comes away. You know they're chopping so much out. Like I've watched their work. And I'm like, I just want to see the cutting room floor. <laughs> Because there's yeah. magic on that floor that they like. It pain. It must pain them to to you know to have that short short form. Sometimes you've got a ton that you don't want to get rid of. Uh, and yeah, they cram know. a lot in there though. Like I mean, fast clips, split screens. They're getting the footage in there one way or another. And I, th- and this is the cool thing about seeing other people's work. I mean, it is inspiring to go. Oh, like that. That makes sense. They have so many clips that like they need to split the screen down the middle, and make, I like that. You know, I, it's uh, it's a very dynamic way to bring in more uh, to bring in more uh, and in in an exciting and dynamic way, rather than just dragging one clip out into the next one into the next one. So, uh, anyway, that's uh, a little bit of my jumbled brain explaining uh, how Final Cut works for us yeah so um, after you kind of have your story you've got your video all set uh, you, you know you have it how you want it what other additional things are you doing to that edit as far as coloring do you throw any sound design in so real quick i should i should go back and mention that once you have that storyline down there is another part of it which is we need to go back to every single clip that was shot and find those little three to five second bits yep. Calling through all the B-roll and yeah. all that stuff. We're going to just hit those favorites and find anything that's usable. And now now you can start sprinkling those in a chronological way to show the day. So that's, that's how we get there. Um, from a coloring perspective, I have landed in the Canon ecosystem because I have a, I just have an appreciation for the skin tones, the color science. And there's not a whole lot of movement that has to happen with uh, the color wheels or um, moving around uh, that said, there are occasions where you have to work on if you've just a little bit overexposed something or underexposed it. I'm bringing up some levels, but not doing anything crazy. I will use what's called uh, Color Fixer Pro by New Blue FX. It's just a free plugin to Final Cut, and it just has this little, a couple wheels that you can move some things around. If you want to, like a, 
I think I don't know if it's still popular, but that like 2015 like raised black level mm-hmm. look. Like there's a black level thing on there you can play with. Um, but there's also a I forget. Oh yeah, it's a it's called like a film something slider, and it just crushes the blacks a little bit, brings down the highlights a little bit, so just evens out your image. You can you know as you crush those blacks, your saturation is going to go up a little bit, so you have to be careful of oompa loompa skin. <laughs> <laughs> but bringing so I'll just. A little bit of the film thing from color, uh, new blue effects, and then a little bit of saturation reduction, and I'm there. Um, awesome. I also love Magic Bullet. Uh, yes, uh, Magic Bullet effects. Whatever that. Uh, forget the word. Magic Bullet. Yeah, that's the plugin. Anyway, um, that can give you some really interesting little, like, for example, if a shot is there, but it's just not as. Mm, I don't, if it's not as appealing as I'd like it to be, I'll put a little bit of a haze in the side, like a little, maybe occasionally like an little anamorphic flare somewhere yeah. just to pop. And it's those little things that over time and film after film will separate you from just putting in the obvious and just doing enough to have a wedding video. We want to just add, it's like sound design, just those little things that you can do that's going to make your work appear a little bit more appealing to a couple and have them end up hiring you. Yeah, absolutely. And like we've said over the last few weeks, it's those subtleties. You know, when you're shooting weddings, you're going to the same types of places and you start to get in that rut. It's like, how can I not only stand out to clients, but how can I stand out to myself after I've done so many weddings and edited so many films? How can I continue to evolve in my craft and not feel like, I mean, you're never going to reach a point where you've learned everything. If you think that, then you need to go back and reevaluate because there's always something new to learn. There's always new tools. Always learning. And watching other people's work, you're just like, oh, crap. What did they look at what they did with that shot? Like, I want to try to figure out how to do that. Always learning and watching work. And I I think we're all we're all just pushing off some far distant inevitable burnout that might occur. And the way what you just said is. The solution is always surprising yourself with, man, I, I, I love that shot. I took a risk on it and I made it happen. And, and now it's, you know, a, a cool element of this film. And the more you do that, the longer we'll stay in this and, and do awesome work. I think, are there any, I'm just curious, are there any studios that you watch and, and you're just mesmerized in that way of, oh, this is just awesome. I mean, um, sculpting with time. You know, Alex Douglas and Whitney. Alex and Whitney. Yeah, man, they, I had, meeting them at WPPI was crazy because it was just like, wow, these two people are just so kind, so real. They're just yeah. so down to earth and their work is incredible. Like the things that, it's, it's, I mean, yes, he's good at shooting and getting the shots, but it's like the attention to detail and the edit is insane. Like the things he does, the time he takes to craft it. And the extra things that he adds just, I mean, oh my gosh, I will just watch his films with my jaw dropped like, holy crap, because I'm in. I'm like totally sucked in. Was I with you at WPPI sitting with Joe when when I think TJ brought, did TJ bring Alex over? Um, Do you know, remember when you met Alex? Oh yeah. I Well, I don't remember exactly when. So we, yeah. we were all, we were all having like. Uh, having drinks in that center bar area. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you were there, but I remember when I met Alex. 
and I think it was TJ who brought him over. Like this is like sculpting with time, Alex. And I think the whole like everybody went no. Yeah. Like, are you like the jaws dropped? I mean, the work is breathtaking, but so much more than that is how nice they both are. Yeah. And you would and talk about like ego free work. Zero ego. Like for anybody that could probably have an ego, like there's not like it's like hey let's go have a let's go have a Coors Light. Yeah, he's just like oh you know this is just a little video I threw together threw together like I mean it just like yeah this is just my work. I, don't you appreciate that accessibility? Like if somebody asks a question on the, Acad- the Film Academy Facebook group or something, he he respond he responds and he talks about it. He's not like quiet about oh here's how I got that like. He really wants the community to come up. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I don't know, a pl- I don't know, I think you guys have created a really cool environment for talent like that to come in and help people get inspired. Because that moment for me, meeting Alex and Whitney was was huge. And yeah. which and, and also, I wanted to give you guys a shout out because what you're doing with WPPI and that, I can't wait to see what happens in the years to come with that. Oh, you just wait. We've got some big things in store for next year. That's what I understand. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Charlie, for coming on today. It has been so great to have you here. In the I office. can't believe I got to do this in person. Like, I just, it it would have been fine doing it over Skype, but like sitting in a room with you and um, I don't know. There's something to be said for in person. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, one last thing: Are there any recent edits or? Th- um, weddings that you're like super excited about or proud of that we can share with our viewers. I don't love saying that any of my work is like I'm 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 a huge fan of any one particular thing. I think we have a consistent theme. I like my storytelling and where that's going. Um, so to see that it's just charliehilbertfilms.com and our work is on there. Um, one thing from last weekend was kind of cool, and I'll just share this little nugget before we go. The uh. So this is just like a minute and a half long video that we did, but the uh, the groom had a daughter, and um, from a previous uh, situation, and um, the whole theme of the day was this: this girl was getting two moms, and the that girl's mom was at the wedding, and everybody danced, and like it, it was getting along amazingly, and so. I'm going to bring that. You see it a little bit in the teaser for on Facebook. Uh, so that's one that I would recommend. Yeah. Check out. Yeah, I think you, I saw it on the other day and was that the one I just shared? Yeah, you did. Thank you. That was a, that was a cool one. Yeah. So that just like those kind of things that are what keep me doing this because that is such a monumental moment in this fam, larger family's lives. So that's something that I, I'm proud of. Um, I'm sorry. What was the other part of it? Any um, tips? If you just had any like yeah. recent films, but you mentioned that one. So yeah. yeah, you can check out all of Charlie's work at charliehilbrentfilms.com. And thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you, Taylor and Jordan and the team. You guys are the tip of the spear. Keep doing the amazing work you're doing and we'll see you next time. All right. See you guys next week. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.